Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. I want to speak about how to use apologetics to help people who doubt. Remember, first of all, that your task as a believer, as one who loves his doubting neighbor, is to help them. At times, that doubter is actually yourself. But let's speak about how to help others for the sake of today's recording. So the challenge of doubt that most people struggle with will come from two main angles. Number one, it will come from outside religion. And number two, it will come from within religion. So from outside, you have the questions that are much more general, questions that stand outside the faith more. For example, does God exist in the first place? Is the Bible reliable? Did Jesus actually exist? Those are the kind of questions that are answered within the realm of what we call classical apologetics uh, that seeks to answer these things. But then at times the questions that come will come to you also from within religion, within Christianity. Questions like, why are we Protestants and not Roman Catholics? What is the Trinity? What about those who don't believe in the Trinity? And so on. Such questions generally fall under an approach of apologetics called counter-cult apologetics. So, point is, you must do apologetics. You must give careful, clear, and compassionate answers to the questions that you receive so that those who you speak to can hear what you have to say about Jesus. Now, how exactly do you do that? I will speak more about how you do it, your manner, the manner in which you do it, as opposed to what exactly you're meant to do, because with each question, there's going to be a specific way to approach it. But for the sake of our podcast today, how do you approach the question? So I have about eight brief points on how to approach the question of reaching out to people who have doubts. And number one, if you're able to do it face-to-face, it is better to do it face-to-face over phone-to-phone. The reason for this is that you want to be personal. Your aim is to look people in the eye. Your aim is to talk to them, allow them to see you. Your aim is to be able to see hesitations. Your aim is for them to be able to see the earnestness in you or even questions that you yourself might have, but you want to establish a personal connection because questions about the faith are personal questions. In fact, as a believer, you know they are eternal questions. If this person actually ends up rejecting Christianity, the Bible is clear that they are going to meet God outside the covenant relationship that is there in Christ. And they are going to be destroyed, meeting the justice of God. And so a lot is at stake. And if you're able to meet 
person to person, it is much preferable and often much more effective. Because if you're meeting on text or on WhatsApp or on social media, then it can easily become just seeking to outwit each other argument by argument, but then face-to-face makes it personal. Number two, you want to be doing discipling and not dunking. Discipling, not dunking. Dunking is a term especially applied in basketball where a person is playing the ball and he does one, two, one, two and passes the ball between his legs and then he rises really up and if you're a defender against him, he, he goes higher than you and he slams the ball into the net over your head and oftentimes the watching audience will scream at the way in which you've been humiliated. What we are doing is not dunking, we are doing discipling. You are seeking to make friends You are seeking to help this person from a point of doubt to a point of belief. You're not seeking to embarrass this person by showing how much you know and how little they know. The point is that most people who are either agnostics or atheists are going to be parroting or simply repeating arguments they've seen online. And... If you're a seasoned apologist, you'll often be able to see through some of those things. And the temptation is to simply show this person that they are a fool and that's why they believe what they believe. And that is simply a false and and untrue way of approaching the the ministry of serving those who doubt, helping those who doubt, having mercy on those who doubt. There's no mercy in that. You want to be discipling the person, not embarrassing them. Number three, and closely related to that, is the question of seeking to win people and not winning arguments. Seek to win people, not arguments. Someone has said that no one ever came to faith because they lost a heated argument. No one ever came to faith because they lost a heated argument. Oftentimes we are drawn into the argument and we get to a point where we are heated. We are no longer speaking in a compassionate way. We are no longer seeking to win the person. We simply want to have the last word. We want to prove the other person to be wrong and prove ourselves to be right. Friends only speak to people. When you have their ear, that's the best way to do ministry. When you're speaking to people, you are not speaking to a faceless representation of a position you disagree with. You are speaking to a fellow human being and you want to win this human being. You don't want to deconstruct atheism as it were. You want to win the person. Remember that you cannot simply pry their hearts open you have to speak into their hearts you have to gently earn the right to be listened to and once you lose that threat through maybe the conversations beginning to have more heat than light then you want to take a step back and you want to affirm your respect your love your commitment your willingness to meet this person another time so that you can actually get into their ear not to simply dump whatever argument you have into their ear number four is what i like to call dripping like a tap 
not flooding like a sewage. Drip like a tap, don't flood like a sewage. So if you've seen a tap that has been closed but hasn't been closed too tightly, and so there's a drip that keeps dripping, dot, dot, dot. If you place a bucket just underneath that tap and go and come back at the end of the day, oftentimes you'll find that the bucket is full of water. You might see that drip as a small thing, but add that up throughout a whole day, you get a bucket of water. What I mean is this. Trust little deposits of truth that you give to the person. Remember to play what is called the long game. Remember that you want a whole day of dripping, and that might be more effective than one minute of flooding like a sewage. Set up your conversations and meetings in such a way that you can continue to deposit seeds of truth in the person's mind. You can put seeds of doubt in the person's mind so that they begin to doubt their doubts. They begin to be less sure about their position. You are dripping like a tap. You are, as someone has described, simply putting a stone in their shoe. So. You can either force the shoe out of the person's foot or put a stone in the shoe so that they walk uncomfortably with that shoe and eventually remove that shoe themselves. This actually is going to test your faith. If if you see yourself as having a long period of ministry with an atheist who is either a classmate so that you are meeting with them, having lunch with them, loving them, talking about sport, talking about music and other things. And when you're able to engage, engaging and depositing truth. And over time, that adds up. Remember, as well on that point, that persuasion is a very large-scale thing. When people mention how they came to faith, oftentimes it's not that one big argument. Oftentimes it is how you said it. It is a word you said. It is a thought they later had at the end of the conversation you you had. God often uses things you cannot have thought to bring a person to faith. So see your ministry as a long-term ministry, not knowing what God will actually use in the person's life. Number five, isolate and conquer. Isolate and conquer. Now, that sounds a bit Cheeky may sound even dishonest, but what I mean is this. When you're speaking to, let's say, a Jehovah Witness or speaking to an atheist, and you come to them and you say that because you're a Jehovah Witness, I know that you don't believe in the deity of Christ and simply go on and seek to break down the false belief that they might have on the deity of Christ, you might not be serving the person in front of you. Don't simply come to them as a representative of the whole position that they hold on to. Let the person in front of you be the person you are addressing. Ask them, what is it you believe about the deity of Christ? And let them give you their thoughts, their arguments, and address the thoughts and arguments of the person in front of you. The same applies with atheists. So there are some people who will say if you're an atheist, then you do not believe in morality or you can't believe in morality. And to simply draw those conclusions can be very dishonest 
or at least the person listening to you can feel that you're imputing views on them that they don't believe and find you to not have integrity or honesty in how you're dealing with them. You want to, to do is to isolate them from that larger umbrella that they associate with and ask them, what do you think about morality? And answer the argument of the person in front of you, not the argument of the movement that you associate them with. So isolate them from the movement and address them. Do not address the organization. Address the person in front of you. Number six is trust the church. Trust the church. What I mean by this is let the individual come with you to church if you can. Let them see people in church, fellow believers. Let them eat lunch with you and other Christian friends. Let them hang out, watch a movie, watch a game, laugh with you. In those contexts in which they are with others, someone might actually say in a sentence, something that you've been struggling to articulate in many months. So you want to see the church, you want to see the community of believers as a tool, as something that is at your disposal towards evangelism. It might be in the way in which a person says a thing that might get home, in which you've not been successful in getting home. It might be an action that a person does that strikes the person you're reaching out to. Use the church. Let the church be like a community, a context in which you do your evangelism. There's a person who has described the church as a plausibility structure. The community in which you are, they embody the very truths you're trying to persuade this person about. Number seven is prayer, prayer, and prayer. Remember that you are engaging in spiritual warfare as you deal with an atheist or somebody who takes on a doctrine other than the saving gospel of Christ. Scripture speaks about bringing down every stronghold, every thought that exalts itself above Christ Jesus. Oftentimes there is a death in sin and you need the work of the Holy Spirit to awaken this person from their spiritual death and ignorance. And you need God to say, let there be light, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and shine the light of the gospel into the person's heart. And that cannot happen except through prayer. So pray and let God work through your presentation of the gospel, through your attempt to bring down whatever false arguments person is holding on to, remember you're engaged in a very spiritual exercise. So we've already looked at seven practices. Number one, face-to-face -face over phone-to-phone. -phone. Number two, discipling, not dunking. Number three, win people, not arguments. Number four, drip like a tap, don't flood like a sewage. Number five, isolate and conquer. Number six, trust the church. Number seven, prayer, prayer, prayer. And number eight, which is pretty obvious, is this. The point is Christ. The point is Christ. The purpose of your doing evangelism, of your doing 
the task of apologetics is to introduce this person to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Whatever roadblocks you're seeking to remove are actually roadblocks that are blocking them from the gospel. They are roadblocks on the way to Golgotha. Eventually have not preached the gospel until you've told this person of the love of God who loved them and gave his only son so that their sins against God may be forgiven and that they may find rest and peace in Jesus Christ. The point is Christ. May the Lord bless you as you engage in your task of evangelism. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.